0: Left for three in the win. yes, Dion has done it. I watched Marcus Morris handling the ball like he was a point guard. I watched them give the ball to Julius Randle. This brother was dribbling the ball up the damn court. 13 all defense, 13 all defense. I don't know about this, but Rihanna
1: just walked in front of me. Are you kidding me?
2: <laughs> Welcome to a Tuesday edition. The RotoWire NBA Podcast. Nick Whalen here with Alex Berutha and Alex. This is not just any Tuesday. We are seven days away from the start uh, of the NBA regular season. Um, I, I feel like I've been saying this at the start of every pod we've done for the last few weeks, but it's it still feels like you know the NBA is not a week away. Like there, there just hasn't been like quite enough hype for me. I mean, the preseason's ongoing, but I, I'm still kind of getting myself in the mode that this time next week uh, games are actually going to start counting um and we'll, we'll start parsing through you know what we've seen thus far in the preseason you know we'll talk a little Lamelo ball a little draymond green uh we'll recap the the SiriusXM xm experts league draft that we did last week but uh I'll tell you what even as i sit here you know I, I spent most of the day writing about football i'm currently watching the mariners astros game uh in my office i am jacked up for the start of the nba season
1: yeah, I'm really excited. I've, I've watched a decent amount of preseason basketball and we've done we've done like our main drafts, you know, as, as like the run wire draft. We've done the stake league. We've done the cape, uh, keeper league. We've done the uh, we did a serious expert draft. So, you know, at this point, it really does feel like things are right around the corner because we have done those drafts that, that personally I care about the most.
2: Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I I still have my NFFC draft coming up. I think that's uh, a week or this coming Sunday night. I believe I'll be knocking that out. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, If you haven't played uh, in the NFFC or you haven't signed up yet, make sure you do that. Uh, All those are are really fun contests. I actually have my home league draft coming up tonight uh, as well in a matter of hours. So it starts in about two and a half hours. Going to be going to be doing the the SXM show uh, for Rotowire and drafting simultaneously. So (laughs) Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, talking football on one hand, drafting a basketball team on the other. Um, but, but yeah, always a fun league. Uh, that one as well. I, I want to talk about LaMelo Ball. Uh, that's probably the biggest news item of the day. Uh, diagnosed with a grade two left ankle sprain. Uh, really the only true update that we have at this point is that he's going to miss the start of the regular season. Um, you yeah, we'll see what that means. They, they play on Wednesday, the 19th, that's that's opening night for the Hornets. They're at San Antonio. Uh, after that, they play Friday against the Pelicans and then Sunday in Atlanta. So, I mean, this could be a situation where he misses opening night and then he's back on Friday. Uh, he could miss the first week of the season. He could miss the first two weeks. We, we really have no idea at this point. But, you know, the first thing that, that came to my mind when I saw this injury and, and saw the update from Shams was I, I think the Hornets maybe are OK if LaMelo Ball uh, ends up missing some time <laughs> to begin the year because. I don't know, man. Like I I could see this being one of those teams where I think their over under was sitting in like the mid thirties. Like they're kind of in that they're in that danger zone in the East where you're not really bad, but you're definitely not good. Um, And obviously, you know, in light of, of the Wembenyama Scoot Henderson showcase last week, the the Hornets are on that list of teams. I think the wizards are on the list too, of of teams in the East that you could see maybe trying to, to push for a play in spot early on. Uh, But if things aren't going well, you could, you could kind of see them, you know, having the mandate to go the other way.
1: I thought you were going to say bang the under, uh, which is what I'm saying because well, yeah, this yeah team I'll is, be banging
2: the under no matter what. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even, even if the
1: bell ball played 82, um, yeah, this team is, this team is not very good. A quick Google says that grade two ankle sprain is four to six weeks to allow a full return to sport. So who knows? Oh, um, ob- obviously you sport in general, but obviously, <laughs> you know, um, it varies and you know you have like the best medical staffs in the world um with some of these guys but yeah i mean nobody should be surprised if if lamelo is the first couple weeks of the season um at that point i assume they'll go terry rozier at point guard uh cuz there are other options of the position are dennis smith and james booknight um and then so i, I guess i mean you know if you're trying to look for a, like a really quick two week streamer cody martin kelly ubre I guess your options. And then if you're a deep league, maybe mm-hmm. book Knight, but I think it's really about it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, book Knight's really interesting because he was a lottery pick last year. And yeah. I think coming into the year, there was a decent amount of optimism. And, you know, I think he, he got into that, that spat with James Morago at one point and was essentially uh, just in the doghouse for a lot of the second half of the season. And it felt like we never really got to see him. Like I, I can't even picture like what James book Knight looks like in a Hornets Jersey. Like, that's how <laughs> few minutes he ended up playing last season. And and yeah, maybe this creates now, you know, a natural opportunity uh, where they have to give James Booknight a shot, and and who knows how that works out. But uh, yeah, like you said, I I wouldn't be shocked if, if we don't see Lamelo Ball uh, until a couple of weeks into the year. Kind of a tough blow uh, if you're someone like me who, who drafted Lamelo Ball in the XM uh, Experts League last week. I think I actually ended up pairing him uh, with Damian Lillard. I took Lamelo Ball twelfth overall, Lillard thirteenth. Uh, you know, off to a slow start for sure. Uh, if if he misses the first couple of weeks, but Uh, The hope is that I think this doesn't turn into an SGA situation in the second half of the season. To me, that that's by far the biggest fear
1: that would be a concern. Um, Although I don't know, honestly, I I don't know if LaMelo is enough to really like vault them to too many wins on his own. I I think the rest of the team, I mean, Rozier, again, Rozier is solid. I, I think it would be more likely that we see like Rozier get, you know, some knee soreness or, You don't even have to try to. You don't even have to make up an injury for Gorgon Hayward. You can just play him thirty six minutes one night, and he'll get hurt. Um, But yeah, I wouldn't worry about Lamelo as much as maybe I would Rozier, uh, for example.
2: Yeah, I I love that idea. First of all, on Gordon Hayward, of just like you know, we we don't you know we we have too much integrity. We don't want to shut him down if he's healthy. We're just we're just gonna play him until he gets hurt, and it will happen eventually, uh, which which I I would bank on. It's happened like seven of the last eight years. It feels like, I mean, Rozier, I I think could be a guy who's maybe on the trade block at some point. I think he's played well enough that you know at the time that he signed that deal, it was a little it was a little iffy, and it's been a combination of him playing well and salaries continuing to go up. Where all of a sudden paying Terry Rozier you know, $23 million next season doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Uh, you get a team option at the end of that contract. So um, maybe, maybe, you know, we'll look back at a few weeks, LaMelo ball beyond the court, the Hornets will be like six and two, and we'll be talking about how we wrote them off for the entire season because of a grade two ankle sprain uh, that occurred a week before right. the season started. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's at least worth acknowledging that there is some risk here uh, as far as where this season goes for the Hornets. I want to talk about Draymond Green as well, and I think the indication around Draymond—everyone knows the story, everyone's seen the video at this point. The implication, at least from the Warriors, has been that there won't be a suspension. Now, they—they they did say that I think before the video came out, and you know whether you're talking about like a you know a, a traffic incident or a domestic violence incident or punching your teammate, like the video being out there changes things. You know whether it should or not, uh, it does. And and seeing Draymond Green, you know, kind of charge at Jordan Poole and. Um, you know, land what looked like a pretty legit punch, you know, because we, we, you could kind of picture it before it happens, but actually seeing it uh, does make it a lot worse. It, it now feels like the warriors are under some obligation to do something here and they don't have to suspend him. They could find him there. There could be some internal discipline, but um, you know, it's it, the the situation is just weird. You know, Jerry Man green, like stepping away from the team uh, for, for an unknown amount of time. I, I'm not really sure what that solves, what that's accomplishing. I, I thought we had some kind of strange comments from, uh, it was Kevon Looney after Sunday's preseason game against the Lakers saying, you know, it's it's going to take Draymond a while to build back the trust uh, for, from the rest of his teammates. Like it, in a lot of ways now, it, it kind of feels like Draymond is this separate entity. And it's, you know, a lot of the Warriors are kind of siding with Jordan Poole here. And now it's, you know, it, it's Steph, it's Clay, it's Poole, it's management on one side. And then it's just Draymond on the other.
1: Yeah, it's funny because if you if you parallel this to when Bobby Porges punched Nikola Mirotic and nobody came out in defense of Miritich. Like, everyone was like, yeah, he, you know what? He probably shouldn't have pushed Bobby Porgas to that point. Um, and this is not like that. Everyone's like, that was crazy by Draymond. Like, no yeah. one is on Draymond Green's side. And uh, I think that's what makes the situation especially bizarre. I mean, you're going into the fact as well that people have been speculating for a long time. Like, will Draymond Green age well? Is he deserving of the max contract? You know, they the organization needs to make a decision because they have a lot of guys coming up for contract extensions. And unless they want to have the biggest luxury tax bill in like sports history, they need to figure something out. And uh, this video coming out, I, you know, I don't, I, I, I've heard people say like, well, they should, you know, they have to pursue trading for Draymond green. I don't know if Draymond green's value is as high as you know, like, doesn't that video bring down his value? In addition to the, all the other concerns you have about trading for Draymond Green, in addition to having to extend him,
2: it absolutely does. And my worst fear right now not not just in terms of the NBA, just like in terms of my entire life is the Lakers using this as an opportunity to trade <laughs> yeah. for Draymond. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's going to happen. I've I've I, t- I texted you about it the other day. I've I've been like hammering James with Slack messages every day. I'm like, dude, is this is going to happen. It's going to happen. You could totally see it. This would be the the ultimate LeBron GM move: would be to, you know, kind of pass on the the potential opportunity to to maybe trade for Kyrie later in the year, which I think it's still you know could be on the table for the Lakers if they bide their time, passing on the the Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, uh, who both of those guys I think would actually be great fits with the Lakers, mm-hmm. uh, and instead you know dumping the Westbrook contract and, and the two future first in order to bring Draymond Green in who apparently Draymond and LeBron are, are like best pals at this point. It's kind of a disturbing friendship uh, considering where it seemed like that was at like three, four years ago. Uh, You you could just totally see that happening. And it would be, in my opinion, it would be a disaster uh, probably for both sides.
1: I don't, I don't think it would work out well. I, I just like, even, even if we're just putting away the off court stuff, the on court fit of Draymond Green, like what he needs out of necessity, is a team full of guys. Everybody else on the court willing to cut, play really hard off-ball, set off-ball screens, all that stuff. That is not LeBron James, and that is not Anthony Davis, and that is not Russell Westbrook. Because nobody on the Lakers roster likes to cut off-ball and do any of the stuff that Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, all those guys are willing to do the fit just does not we'll, make we'll any
2: see sense. we'll see about Lonnie Walker uh yeah, maybe, <laughs> no. maybe that would be a decent Austin no, Reeves you're, you're totally right you're totally right everything you said is is correct it would be a complete disaster I'm, I'm very concerned uh that it's going to happen uh soon I, I I'm really my, my concerns will not be alleviated until we get past the trade deadline no. honestly but overall you know we kind of have kind of half tongue-in-cheek about the Lakers but it, it does feel like we're moving toward Draymond, you know, kind of having like a, a really strange slash sad end to his career uh, with another team or two, which, which often happens. You know, I mean, what? Yeah. I mean, if, if you take 20 superstars, uh, at least what? At least 15 of them end up having that, that kind of tough arc at the end of their career um, mm-hmm. where it doesn't, you know, you can't really go out on top with the team that you've been with for so long. It, it rarely happens that way. So it wouldn't necessarily be his fault, but it does seem like we've, we've kind of reached that point maybe a little more quickly than we expected.
1: Yeah, you're right. And and not even just superstars. And like you could compare him to I don't even know like what a great NBA comp for Like like a Dennis Rodman. Like Dennis Rodman had those two last years. <laughs> yeah, LA especially and now. Dallas. Yeah. Um and so like there's you know, there, there are a lot of guys throughout history who this happens to. And even, you know, the we we people always post those pictures of like Scotty Pippen and uh Hakeem and like their respective odd jerseys, you know, like Portland and Toronto. So yeah, this would not be. This would be far from the first and far from the last time this sort of everything happens. But it would be a really bizarre end to the, to the Warriors. I want to say end of the dynasty, but the end of like that specific big three yeah. that they've had.
2: Well, I think that's kind of the next question is you know if if they move on from Draymond, which I, I think. You know, chances are overwhelmingly that he's on this roster, and I think they they move past this in some way. And maybe it's a little awkward, and it's still a story for a month or so into the season. But I, I think the the leading contender for how this plays out is the Warriors eventually get over it, and they they look like the Warriors from last year. Um, but you know, if they were to move on from him, like does like you said, does that end the dynasty? Like, is he, obviously he's more. I think everyone agrees that he's more important to the Warriors than he would be any other team. I, I don't think you, you feel yeah. like if he goes to Sacramento or Memphis, all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's like the same supercharged Draymond, like he, he's in a perfect spot playing alongside Curry and clay. But the flip side of that is, you know, can, can the warriors like w- what they lose defensively, especially like, is that replaceable?
1: Um, I think, I mean, you're absolutely right about about Draymond not being the same value to any other team. I think partially because he is like the hub of the offense that is built in a very specific way with all these players buying it in a way that we've almost never seen from a a team full of superstars like this before. I think he, without him, you know, obviously they they might become a little more traditional, more pick and rolls, some Jordan Pool microwave ISO stuff um but i honestly i think they would just try to look to somebody else on the roster and it's never going to be perfect like it's it's never going to be exactly who draymond is um because that passing ability and that defensive intensity is you can't just like grab that out of thin air there's not really that many guys in the league you know i don't think wiseman is going to turn into that guy maybe they would try out of desperation but i don't know maybe they just they kind of switch up their style play a little more traditional. maybe they can sort of you know, get Kaminga to try to do a little, like some of those actions here and there. It could end up just being like a team
2: collective effort to sort of run those plays as a whole. With the NFL kicking off and the NBA season nearing, today is the best time to try Caesars Sportsbook. Anyone who's at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesars Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesars Sportsbook promo code ROTO15 that's R O T O 15, ROTO 15. The promo code gives new users a risk free first bet up to $1,500. Again, visit Caesars.com slash sportsbooks or download the Caesars Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use our promo code, ROTO 15. That's ROTO 15 when you sign up. So let's talk a little preseason. Uh, we got, you know, most teams have played twice, if not three times already. Um, and, you know, early on, especially you're getting you know, a lot of teams where, you know, if, if you have multiple stars, you know, not all those guys are on the court at the same time, you know, you're getting a lot of rest days. So there's not a ton uh, of concrete takeaways, but any guys, any stat lines, any games that have particularly stood out to you so far for fantasy? Uh,
1: I mean, there's a handful, I think, um, Tari Eason for the rockets who, who they drafted has looked incredible. Um, basically averaging 20 and 10 and three preseason games, um, is racked up five total steals, 64% from the field. I think, I think he's coming for, for Jay Sean Tate's minutes. Um, and you know, he doesn't have like a lot of resistance at forward. I mean, there's essentially no resistance for backup minutes on this, on this Rockets roster, right? Like after, you know, Eric Gordon, Jay Sean Tate. Uh, Jabari Smith, Sangoon, you're talking about like, aside from Eason, it's like Garrison Matthews, Derek favors, mm-hmm. Kenyon Martin. Like these guys are not the future of the, of the team. So he's someone who I think could sneak into like 26, 27 minutes a game. Cause he's looked so good. And, um, could be, I, I mean, I think he's in sleeper territory now.
2: Oh, absolutely, man. He's been in sleeper territory. Um, yeah. you know, we've, we've been writing, we've been writing about him on the site, you know, really since the draft and, Uh, You know, he showed up to summer league, basically did exactly what you're saying, you know, in preseason was, was all over the place. Like the numbers were really, really good. He's a great rebounder uh, for his size and for his position. Um, And the number one thing is he landed with the Houston Rockets team. Like you said that beyond that top three or four, I mean, all those spots I I think could be up for grabs. And I I think Eason is going to get first dibs. Um, You know, it's the same reason that I, in deeper leagues, I found myself grabbing Ty Ty Washington. Um, I, I think he could be kind of the guard version of Easton in some ways where it's like, even if he's not that good, he's he's probably going to play a lot of minutes because as of right now, he's the backup point guard and who knows what's going to happen with Kevin Porter. I I think at some point it feels like Houston has been trying to trade Eric Gordon for like three and a half years. Maybe this is finally the year. And, and if that happens, you know, then you're looking at a situation, like, let's say they trade Eric Gordon uh, in like mid December, you know, are you then starting Porter green Tate, Smith and Shangoon with Eason as your sixth man. I mean, maybe Eason even starts maybe. over Tate. Like, I, I think, I think we're looking at a world where later in the season, for sure, Tar Eason is a big piece. But even early on, I think he's going to be in the rotation.
1: I think he will too. I mean, he just continues to prove game after game that he will just put up numbers. He can hit. He's he's hit a couple threes. Uh, I should say four threes in three games. I just good free throw percentage. He's yeah, he's looking really good, man. He he might not to be one of the steals of the draft.
2: I think so. I think so, too. And I, I think he could be one of those guys who, you know, maybe is like early on in his career ends up being a better fantasy player than a real-life player, uh, especially given the situation. Uh, Jaden Ivey, we, we saw one good game and one bad game so far from Jaden Ivey. Uh, in his debut, you know, looked pretty good, scored 16 points on 6 of 9 at a couple of assists, no turnovers in 22 minutes against the Knicks. Uh, considerably worse against the Pelicans in their second preseason game. <laughs> 2 of 12 from the field in that one, 1 of 6 from beyond the arc, seven turnovers in 34 minutes, but he did go nine of nine at the free throw line, which is notable uh, because he was not a great uh, free throw shooter at the college level. Wasn't a disaster. You know, this wasn't like a Rondo situation, but he was like low to mid seventies, which for a guard uh, is not great. So that, that'll be something to monitor. I think he's looked for the most part, pretty decent. Um, I thought Jalen Duren you know, was moving pretty well in their first preseason game. I don't think he played in the second game, uh, but he impressed me just physically. Uh, I, I mean, Zion, for the most part, looks great. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think his first game, especially, it's like his first touch of the season. He goes baseline and dunks. Um, I mean, he looks he looks really good athletically. Um, you know, didn't really have a great night against the Pistons in in their second preseason game. Of, you know, three of twelve at the line. That's a major major concern. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I think he's going to be as long as he stays healthy. I think he could pretty easily come close to replicating his season from two years ago. I just. I I mean, the scoring, it's going to be tough to match, you know, with the addition of of CJ McCollum. He's never played a single game with CJ McCollum. And, and, you know, Brandon Ingram kind of feels like he's a different player now than he was at that time. But I I just I I still am not quite ready to to like jump ADP to grab Zion. I I like him a lot more in terms of his real life impact than than his fantasy impact.
1: Yeah, the concerns about Zion haven't changed. Like there, it's just he you're worried he's injury prone. And even if he stays healthy, he's going to probably decimate your free throw percentage. And maybe he's able to make some strides there. Um, but I don't know. At the same time, you know, how much is he really gonna handle the ball with McCollum there, with Ingram there? Um but he he did look, he looked physically very good. You know, they gave him some of his touches on the block. Like he's gonna get his he's gonna get his ISO touches um now and then, and obviously he's deadly in transition, so yeah, I mean he's he's being anywhere drafted between like 30 and 40 in fantasy leagues. And I'm sure some people I'm sure it's going to push up closer to 25 to 30 by the time the season actually uh starts and I'd be fine grabbing him in that like 30ish range, but um he's definitely better in points leagues and head-to-head leagues where you can like punt free throw percentage more effectively.
2: Exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. I mean, for me I think the free throw percentage is going to be the, the biggest kind of swing category for him. Like if, if that, if he's going three of 12, you know, every couple games that is going to absolutely kill you. And like you said, in, in certain formats, that becomes a little bit easier to manage, but um, you know, defensively too, like it, there's no reason that he can't be a one steal, one block per game type of guy, but, but we actually need to see it. I, I think before I fully buy in uh, we still have kind of a stalemate between Jay Crowder and the sons. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in terms of like real life basketball, that matters. I, I think as of right now, Uh, I'm kind of worried about the Suns, man. And it feels like everybody uh, is starting to, to mount some concern. Um, You know, Cameron Johnson picked up a thumb injury. He's going to miss the rest of the preseason. Sounds like it's mostly precautionary, uh, but he's, he's kind of the guy, you know, until they've either figured out with Crowder, which seems unlikely uh, or, or work a trade and and bring some depth in. But man, I mean, this team all of a sudden is super, super shallow. I mean, you, you basically bring back the same lineup as last year, sub in Johnson for Crowder. But other than that, I mean, a lot of a lot of hopes are being pinned, you know, to to Landry Shamit and Torrey Craig and Damian Lee and the you know the return of Dario Saric. Like this is a super super shallow team, and even the starting five, like it's really really good, but it's not like notably better than the other elite teams. No, no, you have you
1: at some point like
2: Chris Paul has been
1: healthy, but at I, I with each year, my concern increases, and yeah. um, you know. DeAndre Aiden doesn't even want to be there. And uh, Cam Johnson, I mean, I think part of, the, I mean, he, he hasn't been, he wasn't especially healthy in college, was he? So I, I don't know. I, um I don't know how much I trust him. He was like a non-factor through a lot of the playoffs. Um, average's like 11 points a game in the playoffs. So obviously he's a good three point shooter, but you're right. The team is just, is just thin. they're relying a weird amount on Dario Saric. I'm not a Landry Shamit guy. And beyond that. Yeah, you're talking guys who are historically have struggled to make NBA rosters, like you know Torrey Craig, Josh Akoji, Damian Lee, hardly played for the Warriors, guys like that.
2: Yeah, I, I'm a little worried about them. I it it feels like a team that I, I think missed its window and almost knows that it's missed its window. And I, I think you're right on Chris Paul. I, I I got burned on him the last couple of years in fantasy. You know, starting with that that OKC season, which it seems like it didn't even happen. Like Chris Paul right. know, playing meaningless games for the thunder. Like that was not that long ago. Uh, and you know, the last three years he's, he's really outperformed my expectations as far as his health. But you know, for like the 10th straight year, by the end of the playoffs, he's banged up, you know, he's, he's like hiding all these injuries allegedly. And it, it just feels like at some point um, you know, that trend that of you know, being like having all of his healthiest years after age 34, like at some point that's got to come around. Um, So I, I've kind of found, found myself avoiding Chris Paul, at least at cost right now. I mean, if, if he falls to me, fine. But you know, like in the the stake auction, for example, didn't even really want to try. Like I, that was not a player that I wanted to, you know, kind of price and force on, and then get stuck with for five dollars more than I'd like.
1: No, I agree. If I'm going to take a chance on, not even take a chance. If I'm going to draft anybody on the Suns roster, it's it's probably just. I mean, I would stick to Booker Bridges and Camp Johnson because I'd be I'd even yep. be worried about DeAndre Ayton's um, stats this year.
2: Yeah, I'm just worried about DeAndre Ayton's like general disposition, like just, just his life. Like I he's he should be in a great spot, you know? Like there's he has, like no competition whatsoever. He's he's just entering his peak years. He's got a new contract, but it, it certainly doesn't feel like it uh, as of right now. Um,
0: we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform. at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for.
2: Cavaliers with with Donovan Mitchell, I think it's looked pretty good thus far. Um, you know, they they did get smacked around by Philly last night uh, in a game where where Cleveland you know, had two starters play into the thirties uh, in terms of minutes. You know, had Karis Lavert, Donovan Mitchell uh, play into the upper twenties, so maybe not the greatest indication, but um, I, I think that's going to work. I think it's going to be really fun, um, and I, I really love what I've seen from Jared Allen so far this this preseason, and and that's somebody I think who I'm going to continue. Uh, to kind of load up on, um, you know, if you don't land Carl uh, Anthony Towns or Joel Embiid um, or, you know, I don't, I don't even know who like Rudy Gobert, you know, kind of the upper level centers. Like if you, if you don't end up with any of those guys, um, you know, I, I'm kind of more than happy reaching a little bit for Jared Allen.
1: Yeah. I used all-star last year. I, I don't think they're going away from that concept of like Jared Allen at center, Evan Mobley uh, uh, playing help defense and, and just intimidating people out on the wing. So yeah, I think he's really safe. And I, I mean, I think, you know, Dominic Mitchell is someone who has played with a guy like Jared Allen before and Rudy Gobert. Now, he didn't pass to Rudy Gobert that much, but he, he knows exactly how to play with that kind of a guy. Um, but yeah, Allen is, you're right. He signals sort of that like tier two to tier three of centers where if you see him on the board, you know, kind of near the top of your draft board, um, it's probably just a good idea to grab him because the, the center you know, yeah. position scarcity, especially if you're in a two-center league. Like he's that perfect, he's like a signal guy. Like you see him, you're like, I should just, I should just get a guy and he's he fits that bill.
2: Yeah. I grabbed him uh in the uh Yahoo or the uh, SXM experts league, which we did on Yahoo uh, last week and I got him at the the top of the fourth round. So what would that be thirty-seventh yeah. like overall, I think. And that that felt a little high like seeing that number 37. It's like you ideally would like to grab him after pick 40, um, you know, I considered Zion at that spot and you know, I was picking on the turn. So I knew, you know, whoever I take there, it's like, I, I'm not up again for another, you know, almost 24 picks. So I, I if I didn't take Zion, I knew he was going to be gone, but it, to me, it felt like there was th- that, that kind of kicked off a new tier of players where like, you know, Donovan Mitchell was off the board, Bradley Beal was off the board, Mobley, Kate Cunningham, Siakam, um, you know, even DeRozan and Scotty Barnes were the final two picks in round three. And, you know, Pretty much everybody else that I was choosing from, it, it didn't. There weren't a lot of guys who I I looked at and said like, eh, you know, if everything breaks right, this guy could be a top twenty player. Um, and I mean, right. I don't think Allen has that kind of upside, just given his limitations. But I, I think as long as he stays healthy, he's just super super safe.
1: I agree. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys. Like I think he he signals that sort of second tier, and then in, in my opinion, the the next guy who is sort of a signal guy is uh, Pirtle. If you see Portal yeah. go off the board and you don't have a center, you are in serious trouble. Um, and I've seen that happen to me once or twice in drafts already um, with centers. Who I just like, that's, that's one position, especially in like auction leagues where everybody pays more than I feel like is value. But then I realize I'm like the only person who doesn't have a great center. And um, so they're usually worth paying a premium mm-hmm. for just to, just to secure one or two guys.
2: Well, since you brought it up, uh, let, let's talk stake auction. Uh, this is the, the road Wire stake league. We were up to 16 teams yeah. this year, which I, I kept forgetting during the auction, you know, that, that does dilute the player pool, uh, a decent amount. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there wondering like, why do I feel so bad about my team compared to years past? And I, I think that might be why, but it was a $200 budget auction. Um, and you know, it, it, other than that pretty standard, but yeah, like you said, I ended up with a ton of centers. I'm going with the center raid offense right. this year. Uh, you you have almost no centers on your roster. I think you you have Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, you have Daniel Gafford, and is PJ Washington eligible at center in that league? He is eligible
1: at center, and yeah, I am. Uh, I might have to. I might have to make a call to ESPN to get Draymond Green eligible at center as well. That would really help me out.
2: That would be big. Yeah, you're banking on a big bounce back for for Daniel Gafford, but uh, yeah, I think you and I are going to have to work out some sort of deal because I, we, I ended up yeah. buying Gobert, I got Pertle, I got Nurkic, I got Mo Bamba. Um, I even got Matres Harrell late in that auction. Uh, I was deciding between, you know, with my last bid, I, I could have had any remaining player who I wanted based on the the amount of money uh, left on the board, and I, I chose Harrell over Alex Caruso, who you snagged uh, with your last buy. So we, we were kind of of the same mind on that one, but um, it, do you have your, your roster up right now? I do. Okay. So just give me kind of a brief overview of, you know, your biggest buys and, and it, kind of what your feelings were coming out of that auction.
1: So like in general, in auction leagues, I try, I usually just kind of let the players come to me like guys who I, I price and force a little bit, but I'm mostly just trying to get guys at what I consider to be like a 20 to 30% discount in general, And so I ended up getting LeBron with my first buy at, I think like $44 and um, also good that he is multi-position eligible, like both forward spots and point guard. That really helps. Um, And then I got Bradley Beal as well, who is my, my second highest um, salary. But I feel like both those guys have first round upside. So in a 16 team league, if you got two guys with first round upside and a decent, you know, like round out the rest of your roster with, clear top 100 guys, I feel like you're doing well. And I, I think I did. I got Marcus Smart, Draymond, uh, PJ Washington should easily be top 100 this year. Clay, who has probably top 40, 50 upside. Jeremy Grant, who super high floor as a player. Um, I got Bojan, Josh Hart. So that's like kind of the core of my team. And I got Markel Fultz on the IR right now, but he has some upside as well. So I don't I don't love my team because there's not guys I necessarily go out of my way to target but I feel like I got almost all of these guys at what I would consider to be a discount. So I'm hoping that ultimately keeps my team afloat.
2: Yeah. I mean, you don't have a lot of guys who are, you know, you could envision cutting like a week into the season, you know, other than maybe Gafford, everybody else, you know, it feels like they're when they're healthy and active, like they're going to be key contributors and not every team can say that. I mean, there's some teams that, you know, paid up for four or five guys, but then that means that you're filling out your roster, with a bunch of one and $2 players who, you know, some of these guys might not even be in rotations to begin the year. So, you know, you, obviously you're not starting everybody every week, but um, you know, you have an injury or two that, that, that starts to get a little bit dicey. Um, I, my biggest buy was Damian Lillard at 45. I uh, thought it was a fair price. Obviously there's, there's some concern yeah. on him coming back from injury, but uh, relative to some of the other high price players, you know, for instance, Carl Towns was 53 Jason Tatum, 59. Tyrese Halliburton, all the way up at 54. LaMelo, 51. Uh, Harden, 60. Giannis, 63. Those are just a few uh, that are on my screen right now. Relative to those, I thought it was fine. Uh, Paired him with Kawhi, who I almost never roster Kawhi in any leagues, but he was sitting there at like... I got him for 36 bucks. I felt like that was a decent deal, even though you always know there's a cap on his games played. I mean, he's so good in the 65 that he does play. Um, And in a league where... You know, not many guys are playing 75 plus anymore. I, I do feel like, um, you know, it's not quite so much of a disadvantage to roster someone like Kawhi as it was like five years ago, um, when when more guys were playing more games. Uh, so I felt okay about that. I, I got Gobert for 29. Uh, got all those other big men that I mentioned. Uh, Tobias Harris, who I've, I believe I've rostered in every fantasy basketball league I've ever <laughs> played in. He's he's my Jeremy Grant. You know, super high floor. Like you're you're always going to be a little bit disappointed uh, at the ceiling, but. He never gets hurt. He plays a ton of games. He plays a ton of minutes. He hits threes. Um, He's somebody that I I think just kind of gives you a a nice floor uh, in just about any format.
1: I agree. You got him for, for 16 bucks. I think I I drafted him in keeper league this year uh, for pretty cheap. Uh, One of those guys where you can kind of just wait on. Yeah. I mean, I, I like your team. I think your, your team is very similar to mine in the sense that a lot of your guys feel like they just have like a 28 minutes per game. Absolute floor. Like, there's no way Pirtle's playing less than 28 minutes, right? Even Jordan Clarkson, you got for four dollars, who I feel like, I mean, if they don't trade him until the deadline, he could be putting up like 20 points a game.
2: That's right. I thought your,
1: I thought your Gary Trent buy at eight dollars was good. He could be like a top 60 guy. Your your Flyers on John Wall is good. Um, and I, I mean, you mentioned Montrez Harrell. Like to me, your Montrez Harrell buy, my Daniel Gafford buy, like we're basically just buying the backups to guys who get hurt all the time to start yeah. the year. So, and I, I don't think that's a bad strategy. You're like, well, okay. You know, people go through the idea like, Oh, Porzingis is going to get hurt all the time. Well, what if he gets hurt the first two weeks? Like everyone's going to be going for gaffer. Or what if it yep. gets hurt the first two weeks, everyone's going Harold. So that's not even a bad idea just to jump on those guys uh, right away.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like handcuffing a running back in fantasy football basically the same idea um, yeah, our guy, Ken Kreitz, I, I thought had himself a, a great auction, at least at the start, uh, you know, getting Harden for 60 bucks. I, I thought was actually a, a pretty good deal. Um, you know, getting Van Vliet for 35 to me, that was maybe the best value buy. That's really good of the entire auction. That was nuts. Um, Jalen Brown for 29, I think comparatively that that's going to look really good. Um, Evan Mobley, you paid up for Mobley, got him at 39 bucks, but I, I think that could pay off. Beyond that, um, you know things get a little bit shakier, but but you know that's life when you're when you're paying sixty bucks for James Harden. Um, Giannis went for sixty three. Steph Curry went for forty nine. I, I think that that is one in retrospect because I, I ended up having some money left over. Absolutely wish that I would have bid up for Steph Curry. Um, yeah. And you know maybe that means I, I lose like a Tobias Harris type somewhere else on the roster. So be it. But yeah, that, that, that was one of my biggest regrets was not, not at least pushing that price over 50. Um, I was, I was shocked, you know, it was kind of, we're, we're always doing other things while we do these drafts. So you're not necessarily like fully locked in for three or four hours, but I could not believe that nobody pushed that one over 50 bucks. I know I was pretty
1: surprised. Like my first reaction when I saw Steph go off the board for 49 was like, I got LeBron for 44 and I can tell you exactly which of those two I'd rather have for those prices. Yeah. And it's, it is Curry um but yeah i mean i mean a lot of a lot of great teams in this draft like i i always think the the way to do this you know i think i think in general in auction leagues is to just build a really balanced team so that you don't get burned by any one big absence yeah at the same time the the main factor of this league is to build like a high floor team which you can kind of still do with stars and scrubs because the stake league is basically like just don't finish in the bottom half essentially is how the structure works so I think, I think you can kind of build a team both ways and, and be successful, but in a, in a, standard auction where you're just trying to straight up win, I almost always go for a, or would advise to go for like a, the most balanced roster possible. Like just try to get a bunch of like $25 guys.
2: Yeah. And I look back at, you know, last year's draft and those are the teams that tend to do well. It's, it's, it's not the teams that blow you away and, you know, pair two $50 players with each other right off the bat, it, it's the teams that maybe have one star and then a bunch of, like you said, 12 to $18 players filling out the rest of the roster. And I mean, in years past, like, like last year, for example, I, I actually felt really good about my team and it, it was relying pretty heavily on, on Bam Adebayo and Jaron Fox. And both those guys missed time. I mean, Bam missed like 20 plus games and all of a sudden I'm just done. You know, I paid up for, for two of those guys early on. They burned me. I think Paul George was the other one who I had too. So I mean, like I, I ran into some major uh, bad luck when it came to injuries, but that's life, you know. I mean, like the, the guys that I was plugging in were three, four, two dollar players. You know, they they were guys who you're just like you're lucky if they if they score ten points and grab five rebounds. So I think it's really important, especially when you're, you know, setting weekly lineups to, to have options at those last couple spots on your roster. Maybe they're your utility spots or you know your your shooting guard spot or whatever it might be. To like have the option to cycle in the guy who has four games this week, and not just have to start one guy because the other two guys sitting on your bench like aren't even in their rotation.
1: Yeah, if that happens to you and you have a top-heavy team, you have to be, you have to start streaming like all. You have to stream very extreme. Like (laughs) you have to just start like setting a like a (laughs) roster queue that's e x s t r e a m. Yes, exactly. Uh, You have to just like set a a fab budget for like eight guys on four game weeks, uh, for like zero or $1 and just hope that you can Mm -hmm. grab them. And that's, that's a tough way to live for sure.
2: Um, but before we dive into the the experts league results, I want to talk about DeJounte Murray, uh, who we've been able to to catch a glimpse of, uh, you know, the Hawks were over in Abu Dhabi playing the bucks. Uh, they played a a couple of exhibitions there. I, I think they're returning home for maybe one or two more preseason games. I think maybe just one. Um, so kind of a weird schedule for them, but thought, I mean, in that first game against Milwaukee, 25 points, nine assists, eight rebounds, two blocks in 31 minutes, uh, Hawks look pretty good. Uh, obviously, you know, it's an exhibition, uh, you know, Giannis did play in that game, only played 20 minutes. Uh, bucks were pretty reserved with a lot of their starters, no Chris Middleton, no West Matthews, of course, no Joe Ingles. but uh, pretty encouraging debut for DeJounte Murray. And I, I remain very skeptical, uh, as far as how that pairing is going to work over the course of the year but um you know early returns at least meaning literally one half of one game have been pretty good
1: i'm i'm just as interested in in Trey young cuz he has only like nine assists total in his two preseason games and when he's played 50 minutes mm-hmm. like normally i mean trey young's like a i mean i know he's like 25 minutes a game four and a half assists that's not like crazy low compared to his season averages but right now it seems like he may be the one that gets more affected. I mean, obviously his usage rate is still sky high, um, but maybe, I mean, maybe they will try to run the offense a little more through Murray and, and have, you know, Trey come off some off ball stuff. Um, definitely encouraging start for Murray, but I think like we need, I need to see this for one more preseason game before I start like really getting worried about Trey young or anything like that. Oh, yeah. But I mean, um, this, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, worrying in the sense of like, what if instead of the 12th best fantasy player is the 28th best fantasy player, something yeah. like that.
2: Yeah. I, I guess, you know, my, my reaction to this whole situation was to just downgrade Murray and, and kind of assume that Murray's the one who would have to adjust to Trey young. But um, I don't know if there's a very good chance that I'm just reading way too much into one random preseason game that took place on the other side of the world. Right. Um, it, it, you know, well, I think over the course of the year, Trey young is definitely going to outpace Dejounte Murray, but uh, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, if like, if Murray's still playing, 35, 37 minutes a game, which, you know, for this team, they they don't, they do not have a lot of depth behind those two. I, I think they're going to have to carry a heavy workload. His scoring will probably decrease. His assists will likely decrease, but if, if he, if he could still be that same defender and close to the same rebounder, that's really, you know, what's, what's kind of boosted him up uh, as a fantasy player over the last couple of years. And for what it's worth, by the way, Trey Young, you know, in that second preseason game, DeJounte Murray did not play uh, right. But Trey Young played 20 minutes, took 15 shots in 20 minutes, uh, had six assists and seven three pointers. So I, I think he's gonna be all right. He'll he'll be all right, yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll bounce back. Um, let's talk about the the experts league draft real quickly. And uh, we we tweeted out the results last week. You can go and find those. Um, I had a lot of fun doing this. We we had representation from, you know, a few Roto-Wire guys, DraftKings. ESPN, NBC, uh, Yahoo, CBS, Basketball Monster, all, all over the place. It was a really fun group, really fun, uh, lively draft room. Uh, you and I were, were hosting the, the draft live on SiriusXM, which you can also hear um, you know, on the SiriusXM app or on their website. It's replaying uh, now until the start of the NBA season. So, you know, we were not really able to, to participate in that, but the chat was just flying off through the entire draft. It felt like every pick, you know, somebody's getting sniped or somebody had a, uh, had to weigh in on it, but I, I thought for the most part, as, as most expert league drafts tend to go, not a lot of surprises. You know, you start seeing people kind of shoot their shot in the middle to late rounds, but uh, everybody at this point is is so clued in and and so sharp that you're never like I had not a single pick in this draft where I was like, wow, I, I really got a steal here. Yeah,
1: you're you're right in that a lot of people were shooting their shot, but it's 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 not without. Reason like you see someone take like a, a bold pick, and you're never like, Wow, that's stupid, or something like that. You're like, Oh, this is this is an informed, you know, bold uh a draft, like you know, guys like Sexton or Marketing, like those guys are gonna go way earlier in these leagues than they are in like a public league, and that's with reason. But I agree, this is this is one of the most fun drafts that I did as much as I could even focus on it while you know also doing the radio show with you and um. I like my team, personally. This is one of my, my favorite drafts I did. I, I have some severe downside with my Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler, Chris, SGA, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, like rounds yeah. two through five. And then I followed <laughs> that up with Jamal Murray. Um, so this is a very high-risk, high-reward draft for me. Uh, but I felt like I was getting those guys at, at decent value. Uh, but obviously, like, if you – you know, I think, I think mock drafts, um, especially like if you trust the people drafting in general are a really good way to just, you can just like use that as your cheat sheet, essentially when you go into another draft. Um, and I I think you could effectively use this and and feel like you're um, you're, you have a good chance.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, we are going to play this league out, but there won't be any stakes. You know, we, we kind of did this more to generate content for the draft itself. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to seeing how this one goes. You, you do have a very high risk, high reward team. Uh, if Stapps Porzingis magically magically plays seventy games, if SGA <laughs> plays even like sixty-five games, I think you're going to be in really good shape. I mean, you, you got the 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 Giannis AD combo coming out of the gates. And by the way, Anthony Davis has looked good uh, so far in in Lakers preseason. The jumper looks a little smoother. Um, he he looks like he's in better shape than he has been the last couple of years, where he's been like in this weird zone of like trying to become like a big bodied center while also trying to maintain that mobility. So I. I you know, I've been burned too many times to fully buy in on Davis. Like, I'm not reaching for him in any drafts by any means. But I mean, you got him. You got him at 23 overall, which outside the top 20, that is absolutely fair game. I feel pretty good about that. I mean, from like a per game perspective,
1: that's his floor. So everything oh, else just yeah. kind of yeah. Everything else just has to go right. I mean, I I think you know an interesting to, thing to look at in these drafts. So this is a twelve-team league. We went fifteen rounds, which is pretty deep. But it's good to like get those sleepers in the back end. I think there were some really high upside guys taken in like the last three rounds, um, and I'm kind of surprised a lot of these guys were were available. Like if we're talking about last three rounds of this draft, guys who have top one hundred upside. Um, you know, Eason went last round. We talked about him. I took Malik Beasley. You never know what's going to go on with this Jazz team. Lou Dort went the fifteenth round. Um, you know, Brooke Lopez, if you're looking for a, a, a high floor guy, Barton went, OKC's Jalen Williams went to James. That's unsurprising. Um, you know, I, I'm i a Hartenstein guy. Uh, if Mitchell Robinson gets hurt, that's going to be a huge year for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's still a lot of guys, like, really available in rounds, like, 13 through 15 of a 12-league draft.
2: Yeah. I think part of it is we have so many unknowns in this rookie class. Like there's the the three or four guys, I guess you could say five guys who it feels like are going to be drafted in most leagues. And then after that, it's like, you know, if you, if you feel like you have an in on Jalen Williams, take him. you know, James grabbed him in, yeah. in round 14. I, I think he's looked fantastic so far and he's going to be in a good spot in OKC. One of those guys who uh, is probably right on the borderline who they won't, they won't need to shut down at any point when they're going to, they're at least gonna have to throw five guys out there. Um, you know, I, I'm i not a Poku guy. I know Adam Ronas took him at the end of, of round 13. I, I think to me that ship is, is kind of sailed. Uh, But I, I grabbed JaVale McGee with my last pick in round 13. I've been trying to get him in as many leagues as I can. I, I really wanted him in the stake auction, but I had already drafted like seven centers at that point, and I, I could not burn another roster spot on on another player who's only center eligible. But I mean, this dude, like JaVale McGee, whenever he sees even borderline meaningful minutes like has a chance to, to be a top 100 guy. And you you go back to his season with the Lakers. uh, I think it was the year they won the title. He only played 17 minutes a game and he averaged one and a half blocks. And the year before that uh, with the Lakers played 22 minutes a game, averaged two blocks per game, almost eight rebounds. I mean, he shoots a great percentage. uh, Doesn't take a ton of free throws. So he doesn't really kill you there as much as you'd think. And, you know, he's basically just a lob finisher. So I, I think JaVale McGee, is going to end up being really sneaky on a, on a Mavs team that doesn't have a ton of other options at center. Yeah, he's a great example of a, a per minute guy,
1: per minute monster. Yeah. If you can, if you can target those guys towards the end of your drafts, all it takes is one or two injuries, um, especially if it's towards the ends of drafts. Right? Again, your pr- chances are your last three picks of a draft like this are they're on like the cut list basically, um, and you're looking for guys yep. on the waiver wire stuff like that. So just shoot for upside. Way late in the drafts, guys who are great per minute, guys who are maybe unknowns. Like I grabbed Jonathan Isaac in the 14th round. Why not? If he plays 24 minutes a game, that'll probably yep. pay off. Um so it's that's that's something to keep in mind in, in fantasy.
2: Yeah, Isaac is a really interesting one. I mean, you can't you can't take him with any expectations. So I think getting him in the 14th round, that's that's exactly what you want to do. You know, he's not somebody that you wanna you know, call like really call your shot on in like the 10th round, right. even when yeah. there are other guys who are just locks to actually be impact players. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, even with him, it's like, if you're in like a weekly lineup league, if you're in a daily lineup league, even better, but in a weekly lineup league, like it, once he's healthy and on the court, you know, it's like, you're not, you're not necessarily like, tethered to him for the entire year. But like if, if he is stay, if he stays healthy for six straight weeks and is blocking shots and, and, you know, racking up steals at a crazy rate for those six weeks, that's great return on value in the 14th round, you know, because half the half the guys drafted in that range are going to be off their roster within the first month of the year. Um, so I, I like that call a lot. And, you know, depending on what happens with him, you might even be able to slide him into an IL spot to begin the year. Um, yeah. Exactly where he's going to be at. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look at other values in rounds like 10 through 12. I got Robert Covington at the top of round 10. Uh, try not? to draft him everywhere. Always seems to be underrated. It does feel like he's in maybe like the worst basketball fantasy situation that he's been in, in a while because the Clippers are so deep and they have so many other options, you know, in in years past, he's been like a 30 minute, a game guy for teams that really need him. Like he's more of a luxury for the Clippers, but I I do still think like he'll he'll probably find a way to average one steal and one block. Um, you know, who else you, you took Mike Conley in round 11, uh, you grabbed Bogdanovich, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich that is in round 12. Um, I mean, Conley, I've, I'm kind of out on Conley just because of how bad he looked at the end of last year. But if you're getting that guy around pick one thirty, no problem at all. And I think there's a chance that he ends up um you know, maybe getting traded at some point into a better situation where, where he could kind of manage his minutes and, and be more effective,
1: yeah, that's that's my thought. I, I just feel like he'll still end up being a top one hundred player. He was still good during the regular season. I think he's still going to be a high assist guy. And I think maybe, you know, he could have just taking fewer shots and and a higher uh, efficiency rating, which would be fine. Um, I grabbed Vanderbilt as well. It's kind of hard to go wrong grabbing some of these Utah guys or even San Antonio guys um, late in drafts. I do really like, um, you know, like a couple of guys I'm I'm interested in. I mean, Benedict Matherin, Kenny Ducey took Benedict Matherin in the 11th round. I think that's that's very good. Matherin has um, what is this like the six or seventh highest usage rate this preseason 33.6 yes um yeah that's a deep cut for you that's a deep cut stat um but you know Duarte is still there too James took Duarte um and if they get rid of Buddy Heald uh that opens up a ton of minutes on the wing especially if they want to play yep. Tyrese Halliburton at point guard so uh I like I like both those guys in that range
2: yeah, I, I'm big on Matherin for sure. Uh, came off the bench, you know, in their, in their last preseason game. Looks like they're they're gonna potentially lean towards starting Duarte alongside Halliburton and Heald. That's fine. I, I don't think that's gonna last that long. I mean, Matherin scored 19 points on 15 shots in 18 minutes in their latest preseason <laughs> yeah. game. Uh, no assists. Uh, that's kind of <laughs> it's kind of the guy I think uh, he might well. be early on. Uh, he, he was a decent passer in college. Like it, this isn't like a total. Uh, you know, black hole type of situation. I I think the assist could, could come eventually, Uh, but with him, it's like, what's going to be the difference between him finishing like 140th and finishing maybe inside the top 100 is like, can he, can he one hit threes consistently? And I think he's going to take enough that, that he will. Uh, The question is like, how much is it going to damage his field goal percentage? And two, like, can he do anything on defense? Because he was a very, very good defender at the college level who didn't necessarily rack up like crazy steal numbers, but I mean, physically, he's long. He's super athletic. Uh, He's going to play enough minutes, but I think it's possible. Um, So, I mean, if he could be like a 15, five rebounds, one steal, two threes per game guy, I I don't think that's too much to ask.
1: No, no, I don't think so. Um, Yeah, I I do like some of the deep cut rookies in this year's class. I mean, there's always going to be a few guys, but, um, you know, you got to really analyze like team situation. Are these guys high usage guys or do they get like tons of rebounds, stuff like that? um but yeah i think he's someone to target you know past pick 100
2: so the 7th round of this draft i thought was really interesting um Je- jeff pratt from dk closed out round 6 by taking christian wood um love jeff don't love that pick well you know but okay at that point in the draft round 7 is where i think kind of like you said you start to see some people maybe not calling shots but uh you know colin sexton that's where you took him um you know jeff then took tyler hero with the first pick of round seven, James took Franz Wagner in round seven. Clay Thompson came off the board, uh, Clint Capella, who I was hoping to get uh, was taken in the middle of round seven. That was a really sharp pick by Mike Barner. Um, you know, I got my guy, Tobias Harris as well. Uh, and then Jabari Smith by, by Josh Lloyd. So he went to 70th overall in this draft did Jabari Smith. And I, I think at this point we had just seen the one preseason game for Houston where Jabari Smith looked great. Um, so maybe a, a little bit of short-term bias driving up his price. But honestly, I, I think getting him at 70, I'm I'm totally okay with that at this point. Like I would I, knowing what we know now, and we did not know about Draymond Green, you know, at this time, Draymond Green went 69th, Jabari went seventh or 70th. I, I think I'd rather have Jabari.
1: That's that's still kind of tough for me. Um Jabari has looked good in preseason. Uh some of it's gonna depend on if, you know, if if Draymond's center eligible and and stuff like that. It depends on your league, but I think there is a case to take Jabari over over Draymond. I I like that you highlighted the 7th round because looking at this draft, my first thought or looking at this, you know, this this round 7 range, my first thought was like this round 7 is the chalkiest round 7 I have ever seen. Like all of these guys feel exactly like 7th round picks. But then yeah. after that, you know, I'm looking at rounds 8 and 9. I feel like they're way more all over the place. Like it it really feels like this is where People are kind of taking their shots and gambling a little bit. So if you're kind of looking for a point in 12-team leagues where I think the draft starts to like truly fall off and you're getting into speculation, I think the speculation really starts around out round eight. Like that's where Adam Rogers took Laurie Markin in. Josh Lloyd grabs uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. There's the Trey Jones and Keegan Murray sightings. someone's uh, Ken's grabbing healed. Um, Al Horford goes off that that range. So I think I think that seventh to eighth round is yeah. is really like a a breaking point.
2: No, you're right, you're right, and I, I think yeah, it, it's more so the eighth and the ninth where you start to see people, um, you know, kind of kind of have the heat check picks. You know, John Wall came off the board uh, in the ninth round. Uh, Herb Jones, you know, J- James has been all over Herb Jones. I think he has him. He said in like every league that he's drafted <laughs> so far. Um, you know, Ivica Zubac, uh, another sharp pick by Barner in round nine. I, I think he he's kind of like a, a souped up version of, of the JaVale McGee conversation that we had. Like yeah. it, it's felt like the Clippers have like wanted another option or a better option at center for three years now, and they just haven't found it. And Zubach gives them really good minutes, you know, in, in the playoffs, it, it's maybe a slightly different story, but I think he's become one of the most underrated guys in fantasy. You know, he, you just got to look at the raw stats and it's nothing super impressive, but he plays close to 82 games every year. He rebounds, you know, he's, he's a decent free throw shooter for a big man. I think there's a lot to like there. Um, You know, Dan Titus took Bobby Portis in round nine at that point in the draft. Totally fine with it. You know, I think that's a little after, you know, pick 100, Um, you know, a big part of the reason that Portis was so good last year, of course, was Brooke Lopez getting hurt, but Brooke Lopez is also old and I think could totally get hurt. (laughs) again.
1: Surgery. Yeah. Coming off back surgery. Still one guy, one guy I really do want to highlight um, who I think it consistently is going way, way too late. Kyle Lowry. James took him in the eighth round. I I think there's a lot of mixed feelings about Kyle Lowry. He wasn't especially healthy last year. He definitely had a down year. Like I I can't I can't argue against that. Although he was dealing with a lot of personal issues, he stepped away from the team for a while. It might have been like a week or two, if not longer. Well, there were multiple. Um, at some point.
2: I think it was it was like two or three weeks at a time, but but like two separate stints with family issues. Yeah. So I think he, I think he got August shape for huge
1: portions of last year. And that kind of, I think that showed again in the playoffs. And so I think people have this bad taste on their mouth about Lowry. Um, and so he's dropping like really far. I think, I think people just straight up think he's washed up. And that's not true. I, I just don't think that's true. Like even we're talking about how bad or people have this idea of like, he had such a bad season. He, he played 63 games still and total value in 63 games still ranked 61st. Um, and was 51 per game value. So I understand he's 36. People are assuming regression. And that's why he's going in like the eighth round. But I think you could take him in like the seventh, maybe even the sixth if you're feeling crazy. But I, I think if, you, if you're if you getting him in that eighth, ninth, tenth round, I think that could that, just the the pure upside on that. Like who else in that range, you know, really has like top 50 upside. And that's kind of what you're shooting for. And I, I think he's one of the few guys there that that does.
2: Yeah. My concern with Lowry is just that he's, he's getting up there in age and you, you do worry about, you know, a, a true injury uh, occurring with him, but you're right. I mean, he, for the most part, like he had some weird stretches where he didn't play very well, but I think he was out of shape, you know, after, after being away from the team and it, it just, it really never felt like he had like a solid month where nothing went wrong. And uh, that he'd had so many other injuries too, that it was tough to get continuity. I, I think that one could very well end up looking like a value uh, for James. I mean, always find a value that guy, but um, I mean, with Lowry, like we know what, there's just not that high of a ceiling, but yeah, I think if he stays relatively healthy, even you're looking at a pretty high floor, like a, a much higher floor than a lot of the guys who went in that round, you know, like the the pick before him, for example, like, what do we do with Kyle Kuzma this year? You know, he goes with the ninth pick in round eight. I, I can absolutely not do that mental math. Not even going to try, but uh that's somewhere around pick 100 in a 12 team draft. Um, I, I think at, at that range, totally fine. Grabbing him there. Um You know, I I think he really flourished like kind of toward the end of the year, especially before Porzingis arrived where there wasn't a lot else going on. Brad Beals hurt. You know, he's launching shots. He's grabbing like 12 rebounds a game. I I just, I have no idea what to expect from him.
1: I'm down on Kuzma this year. I, I think you're right in identifying that so much of his stat line from last year was just them, him being the number one option on the wizards for the back half of a lot, lots of last season. And um I think I think his stat line will look a little more like his Lakers stat lines where he was like roughly, you know, hundredth per game value. He's not playing especially well this preseason. Uh 24 minutes a game and three appearances, 10 points, four rebounds, two assists. Um, some bad shooting percentages, but that's less of a concern than just the fact that his his usage rate is lower. Um, I don't I don't really like him this year. They actually have a weird amount of options at forward. Kuzma, Hachimura, Avdia, Barton um Kispert might be able to sneak some minutes in at the at the 3 so um and who knows maybe they'll play some Porzingis at the at the 4 and Gaffer at the 5 like they just have a lot of options there and Kuzma Kuzma's probably the best like power forward option on the team I think he is but yeah I he's just he's like the third or fourth option on this team right now
2: This this roster man is weird uh, I I don't yeah it's weird it's bad it's <laughs> full of guys who are young enough where we, we, you can't really give up on them. But like, what is Denny Avdia's upside? Have you had a conversation with anybody about Denny Avdia in the last two years? Like, it, it just kind of feels like he's, he's been hanging around and, you know, he's a former lottery pick and, and nobody really talks about him in that context, you know, that you normally would. I, I, but at the same time, nobody's writing him off. Like, it just kind of feels like he's there and everyone's agreed that maybe he'll turn into an average player. Maybe he won't. It already feels like Corey Kispert is in that zone. Uh, you know, Hatcher Murray had had the weird start to last year, uh, where, where he joined the team late, so kind of a tough year to evaluate him. And and then Johnny Davis, you know, we'll see. Uh, tough summer league showing. I think uh, a lot of the luster kind of got worn off him pretty quickly. Uh, but I, I just I think the team could really really struggle. I mean, I, I think they could be they could be in that same zone as Charlotte. Uh, I do think they have a little more upside if everyone stays healthy. Like Porzingis looked really oh, good yeah. at the end of last year. Uh, but you just, you just know at some point the injury is coming. And I mean, with Beal, no idea what to expect. Is he going to average 32 points per game or is he going to average 24 points per game and shoot 31% from three? Yeah, they have more upside than
1: Charlotte. I don't, I don't think that's even a question. Um, and you talk about Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis is shooting 12% from the field this preseason um, in three games, 21 minutes a game. He's shooting 12% and that's after shooting 30% in summer league. So uh, I've not, I've almost never seen something like that to be honest with you.
2: Like he has 10 yeah, points on
1: 16 shots in preseason. It's
2: not Crazy. good. It's not good. It's a small sample size, but I, it's especially concerning. It wouldn't, it would not be a concern at all if, if summer league had not happened, but for him to shoot that, you know, that poorly in Vegas and then also get off to a slow start, in the preseason uh it's not necessarily what you're looking for but i i'm really trying to reserve judgment on davis i i, I you know, obviously he's a wisconsin guy we we got yeah. to stick with him uh at least in the early going here but well that the problem with the wizards is like it 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 feels like every draft they're picking like one or two picks after all the good players run out you know like that's how they right. ended up with Avdia. that's how they ended up with kispert uh even, even hachibura you could you could say that about um like they're 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 not they're never bad enough where they can have a crack at guys who you could actually pair with Bradley Beal to to be a future star but they're you know they're never good enough to to really make a run at, at an actual playoff spot either. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's bleak man. Um I'm looking at these Johnny Davis stats as we speak. It's Hey, only 3 turnovers oh though. Low turnover yeah. oh. numbers. Positive assist well, to turnover it- ratio two of those games were in Japan, you know, the, you never right. know like weird rims over there, but maybe yeah. they were using like a weird ball. I don't know. Um, he did. He did go 0 of 7 in one game. Uh, that's not ideal. I I think, I mean, for fantasy at this point, by the way, I mean, we haven't even talked about him in this context, but no. I, I'm not even thinking about it. No, don't, do not think about it. I think he even gets drafted funny. in, in oh, our God. keeper league. Mm. Did someone take him in keeper league? I think somebody, I think somebody did, but, I'll look, I'll look. Uh, not not until late, right? Like reserve. Um, yeah, I could be wrong.
1: Maybe uh, not. No. Um, he might, I think he was a reserve pick, but um, DJ
2: got him. Yeah. Well, another Wisconsin guy. Yeah. That's that's the thing. He gets right. he gets a little bit of bump. Uh, in, in rotowire wire leagues featuring guys from Wisconsin. But, yeah. I mean, for fantasy, I after the draft, I remember writing like, oh, he's in a pretty good spot here because that was before you know they did the Barton and Monte mm-hmm. Morris trade. Uh, You know, at that point, we weren't really sure what was happening with Bradley Beal. And there was a world in which like Johnny Davis was maybe just like handed the keys to this team. And and worst case scenario, he you know, even during the draft telecast, they said, you know, they just drafted Bradley Beal's next point guard. And I'm thinking, right, really? I I don't even know if he is a point guard. We'll see about that. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I think the fact even that Washington felt like it needed to fortify the backcourt by bringing in someone like Morris maybe speaks to just just how far away Davis is at this point.
1: Yeah, that was kind of like when Chicago, the the news about Lonzo Ball was kind of just not good. And they're like, maybe we'll sign Goran Dragic. Yeah. And that kind of yeah, signaled exactly. that things were not going well.
2: All right, man. That's a good note to end on. Uh, I got to get out of here. Got to jump on the radio, talk some football. Uh, I know you got a bunch of uh, NBA-related tasks on your plate tonight as well. Make sure you're checking out everything, every last thing on rotowire.com. We got a ton of NBA content coming out every single day this time of year. Uh, one week away from the start of the regular season uh, draft season, of course, in full gear at this point. So make sure uh, you're using all of our tools over at Rotowire. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can
1: always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,